Hey guys, welcome to the butter dish. Who are we hanging out with today, Heidi? Yeah, it's Ruth Molesky. (laughs) And, or on Instagram as Ruth Empower. So Ruth, tell us about yourself and all the things, and then we'll dive into like why we're super excited to talk about this topic today, which we've already spoken about for like 10 minutes already. So we're going to (laughs) actually catch you guys in on this conversation, but Ruth, tell us about yourself. Oh my gosh. Well, first off, thank you so much for having me. I just have to like pump you guys up a little bit first because I... I absolutely adore your podcast. It's one of the only ones that I continuously come back to and listen to because I just love hearing your conversations. I love, we were just talking about like talking over each other and getting really excited about a topic. I love that. I just love when people can bring so much passion to it and the amount of just like genuine realness that you bring is, it's truly like really, really cool and very unique. So I have to just tell you guys that. Thanks so much. It's something for you to look forward to when you're in your (laughs) forties. You you have, you have no filter and also just are like, this is just what it is. Yeah. Seriously. (laughs) It's so good. So anyways, yes, my name is Ruth. I am a personal trainer and a nutrition coach. I live in the frigid state of Minnesota with my husband of six years. Yes. Oh, did you not know that? Yes. I don't even, I hate to be the person who constantly talks about the weather, but it's like when you live yeah, <laughs> we have. I'm not kidding you right now. I'm looking out at my yard right now, and it has two feet of snow on it at this point. And we were supposed to get 80s this week, so which means we're going to have this weird year where there's going to be like snow and 80 degree weather simultaneously, and it's going to be super strange. <laughs> so, what does that mean from like a cleanup perspective? I mean, obviously, we know, know. why you are super a fan of upper body days because you have to go shovel a ton of snow, but like, <laughs> right. what does it mean? Like, does it just melt for you? And like, there's, it's no big deal. Or is it like catastrophic? Cause there's like water everywhere as well. Oh as my gosh. Like, I love you guys. I, I love the like amount of naive. I just love it. I'm like, let's, I love Dude. that. And every I love time that we have anyone on the podcast, we're like <laughs> California. We're like here. We're like, we're super cold. And it's like, and everyone's like, you don't even understand what cold is. So yeah. I mean, she's from Utah. So she, but she's been in the snow, but I am. I'm half and half California. And yeah, it's. <laughs> yes. Lots so essentially, yes. Shoveling. I mean, we will get, we got really dumped on this year. I think it was a record breaking year for us. So we got a ton of snow, but shoveling, it does not just melt off. Like you can't, it, you got to shovel it or snow blow it off of your driveway, off of the road. Everyone here though, is pretty comfortable with just driving in the snow. So unless we're talking about like a super, super intense, um, blizzard or something, people are still driving on it. We just, you learn how to drive and, you know, sometimes go in the ditch. So that's, (laughs) which is like, which is so crazy, really, that like it becomes so nor- becomes so normalized. Like, like you don't even you don't even get an excuse tardy for like a snowstorm. And it's like, are you? Yeah, we're here. We've had yeah. we've been air quote dumped on by a ton of rain here, and nobody knows how to drive in it. Like, yeah. either they stay home or there's like seven car pileups, and it's like light drizzling. And I think we had like a whisper of hail for two seconds, and it snowed for two seconds, and everyone was like, oh my god. <laughs> we're ridiculous. It's fine. Yeah. But California is just, just a matter of like, what you're prepared for, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So are, are you from Minnesota originally? I am. Yep. Born and raised here. So yeah, I was raised in rural Minnesota, farm girl. How come you don't say Minnesota? Minnesota. Min- okay. Well, thank you. Honestly, that's a compliment. <laughs> I mean, I do have some things. I'll watch my stories back sometimes and I'm like, I can, yeah, I got a little accent. I can, I can hear it. I don't, I'm a little bummed that you don't have more of one because I yeah, actually I'm, really love it. I know. It's super cute. 
We'll see. You know, as we get deeper into this, let, you might want to stop me at some point and be like, oh, I heard it, you know. <laughs> so lived in Minnesota all my, all my life, but been married for six years. Yes, still live in Minnesota, personal trainer. Um, I started training or I got certified as a personal trainer back in 2016 and started working as a personal trainer right away, worked in gyms for the first five years of my career. And then after those five years of kind of, you know, from the beginning, I always knew that I wanted to have my own business. I wanted to be able to do it online. Um, but I also really knew that I wanted to get that in-person experience first. So that was kind of the long-term plan. And actually starting out, I was kind of like, I think five years is a good amount of time. Like, I feel like I should dedicate five years to working with people in person and then transition over. So I did that. So that would have, um, so transitioned over and fully started my own business in 2020. Is that correct? Oh, I may have got those dates a little bit off 2015 and then 2020. Anyways, so I went fully online in 2020. And that's also when I really started diving into the evidence-based nutrition and fitness space. Technically, again, a little bit before that, um, probably a year before that, but just really getting inundated into it at about 2020. And so, yeah, that's been the bulk of my business and how I train and how I approach things since then is, you know, nutritional periodization. Um, I, I tend towards training in a hypertrophy sense, progressive overload, all of that stuff. I just love it. I love nerding out about it. Um, so yeah, so I help women with body composition and finding kind of that happy balance between body composition and also enjoying your life as well. And one of the things that we actually love about Ruth's page is that not only does she have really incredible form videos. So if you're not following her yet and you are strength training, you definitely want to like follow her, but also she's pretty real about her phases that she goes through too, which I think is something that we desperately need, especially on Instagram right now, because it's super easy for people, I think, to get caught up in seeing results, but not understanding like what the process takes mm. or what really needs to happen. And so that's actually one of the main things we actually want to have Ruth on and to talk to you guys about today is what do these phases actually look like? I think a lot of people are definitely familiar with dieting or cutting calories, but when we get into like maintenance phases, it gets a little bit more like a little bit more nerve wracking and a little overwhelming to like understand like what is really maintenance and how does it benefit me? Because without the pings of the scale, people feel like they're really not doing anything. And then even the illustrious build phase, yeah. right. That I think that people feel like they need to do in order to have substantial gains or to see body composition changes at an exponential rate, but at the same time, not really being sure about what that looks like, how long they have to do it. I think definitely I've seen a lot of like one month, two month builds, <sighs> And then they go into a cut because whether the scale goes up too quickly or it goes up even like a pound or two, they're like, oh, I must have built so much muscle. And then everyone wants to cut down the way, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. we definitely want to talk about all the things. So yes. we're excited to kind of dive into that. Yes. So should we, I mean, I feel like most people come to macros for cuts. Yeah. I mean, so why don't we start there? So um, let's, some of the common questions we get are like, you know, how do you, obviously, how do you get cutting numbers? How long should a cut last? Like how much can you expect? All those kinds of things. We'd love to hear your, your thoughts on like what makes, what makes a successful cut? Yeah. Yeah. Well, calorie deficit. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty key. And I think, thankfully, I think that that's becoming more and more commonly accepted by people. Um, you know, fad diets are still alive and well, for sure. Mm -hmm. But, but at least like in the social media space, 
I'm grateful that I, I think that evidence-based practices are growing to the extent where people do understand, hey, like just going paleo doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to cut just going, you know what I mean? Like yes. I, I do have to be in a calorie deficit. So that's, that's obviously the first thing um, in terms of length of a cut. I generally like to recommend about eight to 12 weeks for most people. And the reason honestly is it's mostly mindset to be honest, because it's not that going for longer than that. If you have a larger amount of body fat to lose is going to be unhealthy. And in most scenarios, you know, for someone who has a lot of body fat to lose going for a longer period of time, isn't necessarily going to be physically unhealthy. And there could be caveats to that for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But mentally we start to get fatigued at a certain point, you know, we start to, and it's generally that like 10 to 12 week mark is where I find people are. And it happens to me too. Every cut I've ever done, it's like 10 weeks rolls around. And I'm like, I'm, I'm done with this. <laughs> you know, there's something about it. And so I think just understanding that before you go in and, and then setting parameters around your cut, that's one of the most, the biggest mistakes I see people, people making is jumping in without actually setting timelines around it and without having kind of a bigger picture plan. Like ideally, yes, baseline set parameters and a timeline around how long you're actually going to cut. But ideally, I love to see people actually look at their full year and be like, okay, so I want to lose 30 pounds. And I know that I'm going to be getting mentally fatigued around that 10 to 12 week mark. You know, maybe I can push it to 20. Again, like there's not a cut and dry, like it has to be 12 weeks. I've seen people go longer and be okay. Um, but let's say, okay, I know I'm probably going to be getting mentally fatigued around this period. So maybe I plan myself two different fat loss phases and a nice like maintenance phase, or even a couple of ma- maintenance phases as well. And I really like to see people back up and just look at the bigger picture and plan things out more so than just, okay, I want to lose fat. Let me jump in full steam ahead without any sort of exit plan, without any sort of bigger picture process setting, if that makes sense. So I think that at the base is what really can make a successful fat loss phase. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, we agree. I mean, we definitely are all about that. Like, let's look, let's scoop back and like, let's look at the year, you know, in, in, in its entirety, right? Like when is it go when a window for you, let's just say eight to 12 week window for you that actually looks like you could be successful, meaning not because I want it right this second, or this is when I'm going to want it most, but like I can spend a good amount of time learning and not a lot of obstacles are going to come up for me because we all know in the history of all the deficits, stuff comes up, right? Mm-hmm. But it's maybe the time to cut isn't when you have six different vacations or you have four you know, different sets of visitors coming into town. It's got to be honestly your most boring, <laughs> predictable window that you possibly can create for yourself. I think so many times we see people who are trying to cut for occasions, which they have their place, but I think also mapping that out is really important too. I had a girl that came to me um, to, to kind of establish a plan and she's getting married in September. And I'm like, all right, well, let's look at this realistically. Let's pick a really good window because even if you, let's just say, go into a deficit right now and you have like a nice three month block. So let's just say you have April, May, and June, you still have quite a few months where you have a potential opportunity for weight gain, right? And you're not going to have another window to cut again before your wedding. So let's make sure that if this is the window, we're smart and structured so that way we can get into a maintenance phase to maintain our weight for that September wedding, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think sometimes you do, you have people who are like, oh, I'm getting married in September. I want to look amazing. They cut in January. 
a lot of months in between in nine months, a lot can happen, right. Mm -hmm. From like a weight gain or weight loss perspective. And so sometimes being reasonable and realistic. So it's like, let's just say you lose all this weight by like June, but then you have four bachelorette parties, couple vacations in the summer leading up to that wedding date, but you don't want your dress to be fitted like before all that, right. Or at least allowing for the possibilities, right. Like if we have like a little bit of a buffer or a range, like we want to make sure that we're putting ourselves in the best position to have the most success. Right. And that goes on all ends, cutting and maintenance. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and just like you were talking about how, how, how far we've come in the last few years, as far as accepting like fat loss doesn't happen without a calorie deficit. I I would love to see this message. Um, what you, what you mentioned about just, this is when I'm going to get mentally fatigued, like expecting to be mentally fatigued. I would love to see that super normalized, right? Because it's really easy to start off. I mean, we always make the analogy of like beginning of school with your like perfect notebooks and your new outfits and everything's all organized. A couple of weeks later, you know, your your backpack, you spilled something in it and you're, you, know, you got gum in your hair and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, I mean, you can, it's, it's not about um, a sat, a, attaching like moral value to motivation. It's like everyone gets everyone gets fatigued 100%. no matter you want it. You don't, you want it. It's for yeah. fun, whatever. It's like, uh, whatever your reasons are for, a, for a wedding, for yourself to reveal muscle, whatever it is, like you, everybody can start off strong and just really expecting that. So you know how to support yourself when those, when those, uh, cutting symptoms, I mean, they really literally are yeah. fatigue, like fatigue, disrupted sleep, um, moody, moodiness, cravings, irritability, like all of those kinds of things are symptoms of cutting. It's not, uh, it's not you being like a bad person. Oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't mean that you're failing. It means that you're being smart with mm -hmm. like with your plan, assuming that that's going to happen because that's how bodies work. Like being in a deficit isn't where we thrive. It's not the place where we feel our best, just like naturally, that's the way it is. I mean, that's just facts, you know? And so it's honestly, I, I agree totally with what you just said and that people will feel like, well, if I plan on quitting, that's me, you know, being lesser than in some way. And it's like, no, that's you being smart. That's you being smart, you know? Yeah, it's I being supportive that. of your goals, right? Like yeah, if you actually think time. about how you're going to feel at the end of eight weeks or 12 weeks and plan to support yourself through that last little window, right? That last home yeah. stretch people like to call it, that is actually having like the, the foresight to see that like, I'm going to get really exhausted around this window. What could I do to support myself up to that point? Because you're right. The beginning always feels amazing, right? but it's <laughs> like, you know, yeah. and it's kind of the same reason why I think what you were saying that timelines are really important. And I also would love to say, if you cannot make it to the timeline, you air quote established for yourself, that is also okay. I think a lot of people are like, I told myself 12 weeks and I'm like really kind of like losing steam and it's only week nine, but I told myself 12. It's like, okay, first of all, you're the one that decided to do this. This was your choice. So you can also end it three days, you know, three weeks early as well. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you hoping to achieve in the last three weeks? If you're having a hard time being consistent, if you're just feeling awful or you're finding that you're overeating out of your numbers more, it's like, do you really want the end to feel awful too? Right. Mm -hmm. It's just, let's just be smart about the way we support ourselves through our goals that we have decided to pick. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I love that. I would love to actually um, ask you a little bit more about, let's ask some common questions that we hear with women in the cut. So let's talk a little bit about like how a lot of times people who are strength training, they want to reveal muscle in a cut, or they believe that because they've been lifting for a couple months that there's something to air quote reveal. 
but also the idea that sometimes people feel like they want to change out their strength training for cardio, right? They're like, I feel like I shouldn't strength train at all. Like during my cut, I'm just going to go to cardio, which we know actually makes your appetite, you know, enhances your appetite. So strength training is actually preferential, especially from maintaining muscle mass, but we'd love to hear your thoughts about strength training through a cut, what kind of air quote expectations they should be able to have during that. Um, and even maybe touching on, I feel like we actually haven't really a lot in this podcast or even honestly, online, and maybe here's a a new content piece for you, is how actually having higher body fat is beneficial in a deficit when you're strength training because of potential gains and also being able to build better because you have a higher body fat percentage. But I would let you do this. Oh my gosh. Okay. So many good topics. Yes. That's so true. You have a better chance of body recomp. If you have a a higher body fat percentage going into a deficit, you have a better chance of losing fat and gaining muscle at the same time. So like Yes. Yeah, so Let's give some mad props to those of us who are not like, you know, sitting at like 17% body fat yes. to 12. Like if you have a higher body fat percentage, you are, you are in a really awesome place in a really awesome position. So keep going. A Sorry. thousand percent. Yes. A hundred percent. So don't you dare cut out your, your weightlifting, right? To your first <laughs> question. Like, come on. Yeah, absolutely. We want to be getting ourselves into a calorie deficit, whether that's through movement alone, calories alone, or a combination of the two. Right. But to your point, Keeping in weightlifting is going to help you maintain muscle mass, which is going to obviously be super beneficial in all these different ways as well. So absolutely continuing to strength train through your cut, continuing to do progressive overload to the extent that you can through your cut is going to be helpful. Now, I've actually seen a lot, and I think it's because it's becoming a little bit more well-known that, again, like people will read posts or see content about losing steam in a cut and and losing some, like not being as as strong, right. Losing a little bit of strength during a cut. And so I've had a lot of clients, um, come to me lately as I start a cut, like, okay, it's the first week of my cut. You know, I know my, my weights are going to be way down this week. It's like, listen, so it is true. Yes, absolutely. You can see some, some strength decreases as you're in a calorie deficit, but don't go into it. Assuming that the second you are in a calorie deficit, Forget about progressive overload. Forget about like increasing your weights. You're going to have to slash all your weights in half. That's just not how it goes. And if it is like that, then honestly, I think ask yourself, are you in way too steep of a deficit? Because if the first week of your deficit, you go in the gym and you're absolutely just annihilated and your weights are in half and you know, you feel like trash, probably you're in far too much of a deficit. So yes, absolutely. Let's expect come you know, farther along in our deficit. And it depends on the person, right? Some people just don't respond as well to lower calories. Some people have a harder time with it mentally. Some people have a harder time with it physically. So expecting some sort of a strength um, decrease during a cut is going to be very normal. But I just like to also caveat that with don't go in expecting it, especially like the first couple weeks. I have a couple of clients who just started a cut and I'm trying to think they started to cut a few weeks ago. So they're not super deep into it. Right. But in the past couple of weeks, they've been hitting PRs in the gym. Like that's possible too. So I think don't sell yourself short, but also having a realistic expectation that, yeah, like probably come the end of your cut, you're not going to be pushing like into an extreme PRs and you might see things go down a little bit. And that doesn't mean you're losing muscle. It just means you have a little less food and fuel in the tank. 
hundred percent. And I think also, let's also declare, like, you're not going to accomplish what you do in maintenance in a cut. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that goes for your whole life in general. Yeah. You, know? like, you can't crush life the same way with less. It's like your phone, you're not going to be watching a ton of Netflix if your battery is half full on your mm-hmm. phone, right? You're going to be conserving it. So this is what we're doing as well. And I think even what's interesting about, it's like people think, oh, if I'm not going to be like PRing my face off or increasing my weights and strength training must be pointless. Who said yeah. that? Yeah. Whoever said that, like yes. that makes no sense. It's like being like, oh, I might as well just not do anything because it can't be the best. If that's oh coming God. up for you, then you've got some definitely some mental roadblocks that we need to work through because something is better than nothing. You are maintaining muscle. And then also to your point, Ruth, I actually had my deadlift PR in a deficit. Oh, that's so, right. and it, so yeah. I mean, I actually haven't been able to get back to 290 in maintenance. So what does that even tell you? I don't even know. But you also have been working at it the same way. But also like, also I have higher body fat percentage. So there's another shout out to that. But I think also if you are in a deficit and you are doing more self-care, like prioritizing sleep, Mm -hmm. prioritizing recovery, you will feel like you have enough in a deficit at certain points, right? Maybe not the whole thing. And to your point about being too low, but like if you are sleeping better, or trying to sleep better in deficit or trying your best to stay as, you know, upping the self-care, you should potentially have pretty close, like lifting capability, especially if maybe in maintenance, you're staying up later and not sleeping as great, but also you have a little more energy, right? (laughs) We have to look at like what we're doing in those phases too. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's this like, you know, kind of similar to what we're talking about with like expecting mental fatigue. I mean, I think there, a lot of times, we as women just have such a corrupted relationship with our body, right? Like for, we forget it's like a two-way communication thing. It's like, you're not just like carrying this body from like place to place. Like it's having its own experience as well. Right. And I think that's such a great, a great point because you, you don't really think about how feeling crappy might affect your attitude or like, or like, your behavior. Right. So I was talking to a client recently and she was, you know, we were talking about cutting and making space for it in your life. And like, is there a point in the day where you are just like done? Right. And like that, and you know, she thought about it for a minute and she was like, you know, it's cleaning up after dinner. I freaking hate that. Like if I'm going to start emotional eating, it's going to be then because I'm just done. And it just like, it gets easy to get pushed over the edge. And it's, she's like, you know what? My husband's super supportive. So I'm going to ask him, like, can you please like get the kids on board and like you guys take care of it for like the next month and a half or whatever. And it's like little things like that. I mean, not only does that take away a stressor, can you just like, just like when you organize a closet and you look at it and it's just that ping of like, like accomplishment, right? It's like the same thing when like you're, you're, you allow, you ask for help and you're getting that help. Like there's another little ping for you too, that that stuff really, really matters. So, I mean, it matters in how you feel about yourself, your behavior, your consistency, all of those things, like making space for self-care and you're and being early, right? Like every absolutely. time I, I always give my husband like a couple week warning, if I'm ever going to be in a deficit and he's like, Oh, so we're going to go into the big sad for the 12 <laughs> weeks. But it's like, I think what's nice about that is like, they know, right. You can be like, Hey, I need some help. And it's like, they understand that like you're in like an impacted place. And I think that that is also part of having a successful cutting phase is to be like, I actually can't do what I usually do. Yeah. And it it doesn't have to be that all or nothing thing where it's like, I I can't push myself harder because, you know, with weights or whatever, or like, um, the, you know, the opposite extreme of like, it's, I'm going to perversely push myself harder 
right? Because I'm like resisting my own like fatigue, you know? 100%. Yeah. Get your people on board to start. I mean, I always, that's something that I'll tell my clients too, is like, make sure you have a conversation. You know, like you said, talking to your husband beforehand, I mean like, Hey, here's what I'm doing for the next few weeks. I'm probably going to need a little extra support. I might not be at my best, but (laughs) clear mentally, you know, just having that conversation and setting that expectation beforehand. And then to your point, like, making sure in the moment that you're okay with asking for help and getting the support that you need, whether it be from your, you know, from your family, your husband, whatever, or your coach, making sure that you're asking for that and getting supported in the way that you need to. Yeah. Yeah. And asking yourself, asking yourself too, like, Hey, so Nat, Heidi, Ruth, like what can I do in the next eight weeks to reduce my load? Right. So like, maybe that means I don't say yes to everything. Maybe I need to like give out like three no's a week Yeah, or that I usually are, would say yes totally. to. Totally. Right? What are the things that drain your energy? Yeah. Remember yeah. we had a client who was like, would she desperately wanted to nap during her cuts? And she's like, I know I can't. And you're like, why? Why, why can't you? Like, <laughs> like yeah. a couple hours where you can like rest and recover. Like, yeah. you know, in addition to all the things that you need to accomplish, because sometimes our lives don't change, right? Sometimes we still have to go to work. We still have to take care of our families, but if building in a nap is something that is different from you, different for you from like a maintenance phase, which I'm all about a nap and a maintenance phase too. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, (laughs) allow yourself that like, you're not a loser because you took a nap. Like, Mm, I mean, would you say that to like a little kid? No, stay up, (laughs) stay up longer. You're tired. Don't do it. Right. Push through it. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Man up. Seriously. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so true. Let's talk a little bit quickly about about people who cut too quickly after they're trying to build. Can you please shed some harsh Mm. truths on this? Okay. So are you, you're, you mean they didn't, they only build for built, built, there we go for like two months. Um, they're not even, they haven't even built. They just maybe been lifting and maintenance. Oh, gotcha. months, right? And they're like, oh, I should cut to reveal all this muscle. Oh yeah. Yes. What, what kind of, what kind of work would you have to put in, in order for a cut to reveal said work? I know that's a really hard statement yes. to generalize about, but right. just, yeah, thoughts. it is. It does. It depends on a lot of things, right? Because it does depend on how trained someone is like in terms of how quickly they're going to be building muscle. So the newer someone is, you know, brand newbies, as we know, are the ones who put on muscle the quickest. And so if you're really new and you've been, and you started being super consistent with lifting for the first time in your life, sure. Like maybe after six months of doing that, you cutting is, is going to reveal some, something new, something different, right? Um, potentially even before that a little bit, but we have to remember that the longer we've been training, the longer we've been lifting, especially the longer it takes. And if we want to see any significant difference, my, my minimum requirement for any of my clients who want to be in a build, no matter how new they are, honestly, I actually don't really recommend a straight like building phase for brand new clients. I just think that it's more of an advanced technique because again, newbies can definitely build a maintenance, right? Um, as can a lot of people, it's just going to be slower, but my minimum requirement, if you want to be in a build is six months, none of this, we're going to be in there for six weeks. And then I want to do a mini cut. And then I want to jump back into my build. And then I want to do a that's yo-yo dieting, right? With the, and you're masking it as nutritional periodization. And that is super irresponsible and it's unhealthy. And in some cases it can even brink on, on being disordered. I mean, it's something that I absolutely see a lot is people who had these tendencies before they started getting, you know, introduced into, into the more evidence-based 
fitness and nutrition um, sphere, they maybe had these tendencies of yo-yo dieting and they discovered macros and they discovered the terms like cut and build. And now instead of jumping into paleo every other month, they're jumping into, into and out of a cut and a build every other month. And it's exactly the same thing, just with different labels. 100%. You can completely abuse macro counting. Completely. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And just because it has a little bit more of scientific backing to it, doesn't mean that it's like open to abuse either, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. oh, but I'm actually in this phase now. It's like, yes, really, you seem to be in a cutting phase more than you are in any other phase. So yes. it's still, you're still dieting, like just with the, under the guise of like nutritional, right? <laughs> right. Nutritional yeah, benefits. Yes. If we use the right terms, then every, then anything is okay. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. love how you called it an advanced technique. Do you, do yeah. you have more thoughts about that? I would love to hear yeah. that. Yeah. So it's tough mindset wise to build because you aren't just putting on muscle. You're mm-hmm. putting on muscle and body fat and, and body fat and body fat. Yes. 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 Like you are putting on one more time. Yeah. I don't think understand. Yes. Body yes. fat. Yes. A hundred percent. You can't do it without it. I mean, if you go into a calorie surplus, you will put on body fat and sure there are people who are a little bit more genetically blessed and maybe they build muscle really quickly and we love them and more power to them and everything. But still, even, even those individuals, there is some body fat going on too. If you're in a surplus, it just might they might look really shapely because of all the muscle they're putting on. And because they might actually look better depending on where you're starting from as well. Air quote better, right? Right, right, right. More recomped, if you will. Yes. According to today's standards. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right, right. Yes, for sure. So with that in mind, knowing it is something that mentally it's going to take something out of you and and knowing if you're a beginner, you can probably get the same benefit from just being in maintenance. That's why I like to save it for someone who is, who's been doing this for a while, who's a little bit more serious about their fitness journey and who's in a place where they've proven to me mentally that they're able to do it. And that they're not going to spiral after a couple months and be like, oh my gosh, I've got to cut this second. Like I can't, I absolutely can't handle this anymore. Um, So I just want to know that someone is in a really healthy place with their relationship with food, their relationship with their body before going into a build, um, you know, for that piece. But also because if you are newer, you can probably get those same benefits by hanging out at maintenance. Yeah. Yes. Can we sidebar for two seconds and talk about what it actually would look like to be healthy for a build, like mentally healthy for a build. Mm, Like, I think that there, I think a lot of women think that they are like, Oh, I don't really care about the scale. The scale doesn't bother me. And that might be true to an extent. Like if the scale doesn't bother you five pounds up from your lowest, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're in a place, a good mental space for builds. Cause if the scale 10 pounds up or 15 pounds up from your air quote lowest destroys you, that is also something that we need to think about too, right? It's like, it's also not just always like a little bit of weight gain sometimes. And I think that people don't realize that, you know, like we have one of our coaches, she actually sets her threshold at about a 20 pound, 15 to 20 pounds over, like not even her lowest, just like her normal maintenance weight. To me, that is somebody who can do a build because they have longer game. They're not tied to the scale in the sense of like, from my lowest, I can be comfortable here. It's from my maintenance, which is technically mm. five or 10 up from my lowest. 
And then an additional 10 to 15 on or 20 on top of that shows that she has a larger um, window, of tolerance. window of tolerance, right? And I think that's really what it comes down to for a build because, mm-hmm. and then I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad that they don't have a larger one. It's just more about knowing. Like when we were working with Jordan, he was trying to push my calories into like the like 2300, 2200 range. And that is actually in a surplus for me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I'm actually not comfortable doing a build. Like I just knew that about myself. I didn't want to do it. Like I have enough noise in my head about like being overweight for more, the majority of my life. And I was like really straight up. I'm like, I'm not in a position to want to do a build and calling that for me takes it off the table. I know that any kind of like muscle development or growth that I'm going to see is going to be at a slower rate. And I'm fully good with that because I understand myself enough to be like, that is not for me. And that's also part of this whole phase and journey thing. It's like, I have elected to take longer because I am not comfortable doing that. Right. And that's okay. Like no one says that you're not serious or you're not like, you know, um, a weightlifter or, or committed to strength training or hypertrophy or whatever, without doing a build phase. Like you can actually go your whole life without intentionally doing one. That being said, if you are ever in maintenance and like, I know we're going to head into a maintenance portion too, but like in a little bit of a surplus strength training is a really great way. It says to give those calories something to do. So if you are naturally a strength trainer, don't fear a little bit of overage because yeah. right. It's more likely to go towards your gains. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Oh man. I love everything you just said. I think, yeah. Having that idea of where your window of tolerance, if you will, is. And I think also just knowing where you're at currently in terms of your relationship with your body and with food. Like if walking past a mirror currently kind of makes you like, mm, you know, st- stuff like that, you know, how, how women can get right where we all do it to some extent where you kind of walk past and whatever, for at least a few days a month. <laughs> a few days a month. That's right. <laughs> um, and so if that's something that's common for you though, if that's something that you can't look in a mirror or you're constantly grabbing at parts of your body and stuff like that, right. To me, I would never recommend someone who I know is in that place to intentionally put on more. I would, I would want them to be out of that place. I don't think be in that place and live in that place. I, I want to see you not be in that place for sure. But if someone who's in that place where they're very, very preoccupied by thoughts of their body, and, and then they come to me and say, hey, I think I really want to build muscle. So let's go into a calorie surplus. I am going to you know, highly recommend we do not do that. Um, the other thing is if someone is already, if someone's really constantly thinking about food or they really struggle to have a meal not tracked and not freak out about it, right? I'm not going to, again, recommend that you go into an intentional overage. Like you said, I mean, that's, that's what it is and that's what it's supposed to be. But if you're already in a place where at maintenance, you can't have a meal off or you can't have a day that feels a little bit high and you kind of start to spiral, then we absolutely should not be trying to jump into a build. I would also love to add, like, if you have a hard time eating in maintenance, because some people are like, it's just so many calories. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know how I'm going to like eat my maintenance calories. That means you have a relationship with food issue, right? Because whether you're eating a lot of dieting type foods, air quote in maintenance, like you're trying to like still eat, like you're in a cut because everyone who does a build will tell you that there is a point where you are like, stuffed and a little bit uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if especially like the protein goals are are still applicable, a little higher, a lot. I mean, everything is just more volume, right? Because you're adding more energy into your body. So if you have a hard time eating and maintenance and not because mostly because you're 
excluding food groups, or you're like not willing to eat anything with higher fats, or you're, you, you know, you're staying away from butter still, or you're, you're, you know what I mean? Like some of us don't have a problem with calorie dense foods, <laughs> but some people do. Right. And I think that if that is also you, a build is not a great idea for you too, because you are going to have to eat more. Right? So true. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, if you're essentially what this boils down to is we got, we got to be healthy mentally. You got to be really healthy mentally and in a really just comfortable and confident place in your body and your, in your relationship with food to be able to do it. And again, like, I think that it's a wonderful thing to do. If you are, I think that it's such a fun challenge. And I have seen so many people really honestly thrive there. I mean, we're kind of a little bit harping on some of the more negative aspects of a build, but the really positive aspects are you do feel so strong and you're going to hit probably PRs that you never have before. And you are going to build muscle. There are a lot of positives too, but if you're not in a good place to go into it, it's just not going to be worth it. And there's probably another method, even if it's slower, that's going to be better for you, i.e. maintenance, right? <laughs> well, and I love, I love what you said, but like for, for a lot of people, they're going to be able to get similar results in maintenance. I mean, I think that that is, and, and, and also, also kind of what you were saying too, Nat, it's like, what is, what is the big rush? Like, what is like, if these are, if these are the habits that we're going to want to continue for the rest of our lives, like in, in 10 years, is it going to matter if it took you six months or six months of a build and then a, you know, whatever are you, hundred percent. Yeah. I, my first get my first, the first timeline, of course, that I throw out is like not even accurate, but like, and my point is, is 10 years, it's not going to matter if it took a year or two years or three years. Like you'll, you'll, you'll be, if the, if the goal is to keep these habits up, then, then what's the rush do it in a way that feels like self-supportive and enjoyable where you're not um, you know, hazing yourself with your own goals. And if you're hearing this and you think like, gosh, but I really want to be the kind of person that can do it mm-hmm. right. Then let's work on that in maintenance. Yeah. Like that is what maintenance is for. Maintenance is like such an incredible place to get inside your head. It's really where all that work can be done because you have enough calories to do it. Right. And so it's like when, you know, and maybe this is us transitioning into that maintenance part of our podcast, but it's just like, I think most people skip maintenance when it really is the place that some of the best transformations can happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I will also say like in, in positive, positive notions to a build too, is like that actually might be you encouraging yourself to not only discover that you can eat more and have positive results from it, but also sometimes even that could be pushing your calories to realizing that you're not even actually really at the upper end of your maintenance too. Yes. So there definitely are like a lot of pros to that as well. In addition to like, just being brave enough to be like, maybe I can say, the scale doesn't have as much of a hold over me as I thought too. Right. And that's mm-hmm. a big one to defeat as well. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, I think, um, but also don't feel bad if you're not there yet. It's also okay. Like you yeah. don't necessarily ever really have to, it's kind of like, remember in our day, like marathons were like the thing, right. If you could like run a marathon, that was like such a hallmark of fitness. Right. It's like also okay. If you never have run one. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like doesn't mean anything about you. It doesn't mean that you're not active or fit, mm-hmm. but also, And then just one more quick thing. It's like also to make sure that you, if you are interested in building muscle and going to build, make sure your programming is intelligent because just exercising doesn't actually get you anything too. Like, so you could actually just be in a calorie surplus exercising, which a lot of us have done. (laughs) Totally. So let's make sure you're getting something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like hit workouts are great. Like your, your Peloton app thing is great. Like we're not trying to, we're not trying to call out anybody in anybody specifically, but hallmarks of a great training program, Ruth, like repeating, 
Yes. Tell them what it will will look like in order to make the most out of what strength training or a build phase would look like. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. So hang on before we got to jump into that. So strength training for build, and you guys bring up so many good points and I'm like, wait, that, that, yes, <laughs> so good, right? Um, so to, to your point about, we'll get to that in a second, but yes, about, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm pinning it. We're pinning that. I might, you might have to remind me, but the, the point of, but I want to be in that place where I can build, right? Like I really want to be there. We can change. Just because you're not there now doesn't mean you're never going to be there, right? I think people get stuck in this thing like, and it's with fat loss too. Like not everyone is in a healthy place to lose body fat. Totally. Oh my gosh, totally. And just because you're not there now doesn't mean you're never going to be there. Mm -hmm. Just trust that you can get to a place where you're going to be better and you're going to be ready. But in order to get there, you have to work on your stuff now, you know? So that's- Yeah, now the percent maintenance is like kind of the thing for both of those things. Right. Yeah. And also just like, I think like there actually might be a time like you can get there that you might not always feel like you have to cut to. And I know nobody believes that. I know it's true. It's true. true. It's true. But that's true. Yes. I know. We made some grand balls, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) So that is, that was the last thing I was going to say about, um, stipulations for going into a build is master maintenance first. If you're not in a place where you can actually maintain where you can intentionally spend months and months and months maintaining essentially where you're at, not, not seeing the scale, like jump up and down without trying that kind of, and I don't mean normal weight fluctuations. I mean, like you're you're putting on 25 pounds or 40 pounds after you've been out of a cut. A hundred percent. You have to go lose it all again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So mastering maintenance first. I think is kind of bottom line before one of those check marks that you need to hit before you can actually, yes, go into a build. Okay. To strength training, strength training. So what was your question? Your question was, what are some of the, what does it actually actually look like to do programming that will actually build muscle? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Love that. So progressive overload is number one. Yes. Progressive overload, which means we are doing the same training for a, a, a block of several weeks, and then we're changing it up. And that doesn't mean that there can't be some progressions that are built in there, but that means you can't progressively overload like a circuit class, right? The, the stuff that changes every week, you can't progressively overload cherry picked Instagram workouts. You've got to have some sort of a program. There has to be some sort of a method that you can build upon essentially. So there has to, it has to be repetitive, which I know some people are kind of like, Ooh, I don't want to, but I, I promise like you get into it. And if you allow yourself to get good at it, it's just like anything. It's a skill. It builds over time. It, you can get a little bit competitive with yourself, which is fun. It's you against you. It's not you against anyone else. So that's really the big, the big one. Honestly, if you are doing progressive overload, you're in a program that um, does like decent, at least decent, good would be great exercise selection and it, and it uses progressive overload. And then you bring a good level of effort to that program and you're eating in a calorie surplus, you're going to build muscle. Like that's kind of, and that's might seem a little simple. And of course there's, I love talking program design and we could go so deep into it, but if we just want to actually simplify and step back and say like, what are the pillars? What are the core things that you need? You need progressive overload. You know, you need exercises that work well with progressive overload. 
and you need a level of intensity that you're bringing to your workouts. Yeah. hundred percent. So good. I freaking love the way you, you broke that down too. I think also, you know, what we want everyone also to hear, it's like, just because what you're doing has weights in it doesn't necessarily mean it's optimal for building muscle, but it doesn't mean that you're not going to see anything either. Right. But I think that, so there's, it's kind of like, um, you know, like anything like recipes that sometimes have like 700 ingredients doesn't necessarily mean that it's better than like one that has five. Right. <laughs> so it's more like if you are doing like orange theory fitness or boot camps or a Peloton with weights, or even CrossFit, my beloved CrossFit, I know is not optimal for building muscle. Mm-hmm. So you're not, even, that, that's okay. That's, right, that's okay. yeah, it's totally yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. You can still like, get strong, you know, exactly. and, oh my God. Right. but in context of a build, we want right. to make sure that we're being a little bit more intelligent about what our intentions are. So it's not that none of these, you can't see any muscle development or any muscle growth with it because, but I think there's this belief that if there's a weight in it, kind of like pure bar, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that you will automatically build a ton of muscle with it. You will build some, you will get stronger for sure, but it's not designed to be what would be supportive in a build phase to build muscle mass. Yes. Well, and, that, and I love that clarity because, you know, then people can make choices, right? Yes. It's like, but, but, but as coaches, I mean, it is, it is just, I mean, find, find me a client yet who doesn't have some of these principles confused. I sure did. And you know, it's so in this we did CrossFit for like three years before we even realized that like, Hey, you'll get freaking strong and you'll do a lot of really cool stuff, but it's not actually optimal for building muscle. Yeah. Right? And it's, just, but it's like, also like, I still do it knowing that because yeah. I enjoy it. Right? And so yes. this is part of that awareness piece and the education piece. It's like, mm-hmm. you are allowed to do whatever you want. You can still train for a marathon. Right. But also just know what to expect from these types of stimulus. Yes. Cause they don't all funnel into the same aesthetic result. A hundred percent. I freaking love that. Yep. Yep. I love that so much. Make an informed decision. It's not that one decision is better or worse than another. It's just know what you're expecting from the effort that you're putting in. So we don't end up being disappointed. (laughs) We did CrossFit for three years and we expected to get the bodybuilding physique. You know, there's again, like you said, CrossFit's going to make you super strong. CrossFit's going to make you super fit. CrossFit is is a great way to stay strong and fit. Is it the best way, the quickest way to build muscle? No. So if we go in with that intent of I'm doing CrossFit and I'm eating in a calorie surplus because I want to be building muscle, then we might come out disappointed. And so, yes, it's just a matter of making informed decisions for sure. Well, totally. And to quote our, our mutual friend, Jordan, Jordan Lips, I mean, where optimal meets practical, right? Because it's, you know, if CrossFit or Orange Theory is like what, like you have so much fun that keeps you consistent with exercising and like, um, you're just, you can't bring yourself to like, go to the gym and do the whole solo thing or whatever, like that, like that's okay. Again, we don't need to assign moral value to like the most optimal course of action, but also understanding where the results come from and how you get them, um, is, is an important factor to balance in, like you said, in, in expectations. Absolutely. Yeah. So Ruth, how do you, how do you decide what your ideal maintenance is? Mm. maintenance okay so when you say ideal maintenance um i assume you're you're referring to essentially people kind of know that maintenance is a range right and they Mm -hmm. kind of know like i see that i'm not sure if people know that so yes like let's (laughs) yes 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 so i think first of all when it comes to maintenance 
Baseline, the top priority needs to be health. And that means body and mind. So that means no matter how much you want to maintain at uh, 120 pounds, you know, um, potentially if you're not 5'2", you maybe shouldn't be maintaining at 120 pounds, 120 pounds, right? Especially if you're trying to build muscle. Oh my gosh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Biofeedback is going to suffer hormones. And more than likely in order to maintain super, super lean, it's going to take a toll on you mentally. I just haven't seen that not, not happen. Right. Mm -hmm. So that needs to be the first thing is health. And that also goes on the, on the flip side too. Like if someone is at a point where the amount of weight that they're carrying is affecting their life, whether it be from a health standpoint or from a mental standpoint, then I think the argument can be made that that's probably not a healthy maintenance for you. There's probably some, you know, fat loss that could happen to get you to a healthy maintenance place. So it goes both ways. There's two ends of the spectrum. And, and then there's this middle ground. And the thing is, the middle ground is wide. People think it's like, oh, I know my ideal maintenance is 150 pounds. So how do I maintain at 150 pounds? And it's like, you can be healthy probably between you know, 145 pounds and 165 pounds. So within there, you get to decide where you want to maintain and you have to take into consideration. Yeah, sure. Take into consideration your body composition goals, but take into consideration your lifestyle. Like what, what kind of life do you want to lead? Do you want to be tracking all of the time? Some people that fits well with their life. Maybe someone who is single, works from home, you know, has a ton of, has a lot of time to utilize in tracking and they can do it in a healthy way and they can have a healthy mindset with it. Potentially tracking most of the time works really well for them. But then we talk about someone who's maybe single mom and has three little kids and also works full time. And she wants to have some level of health and fitness, but the idea of tracking full time and, you know, getting to the gym five days a week and like doing all these things is just, it's not a healthy and it's not an enjoyable lifestyle for her. So I think deciding and looking at your lifestyle and saying, what can I actually enjoy? Because there has to be this blend when it comes to maintenance of effort. Yes. With ease, it has to be those two things blended together. It's not zero effort. It's not oh, this is my off season necessarily. We have to bring some sort of effort just to keep up those, to keep up our health, both mentally and physically. But it shouldn't feel really, really hard. Maintenance, I, I like to, I like that that phrase, that blend of effort and ease. There has to be a little bit of both, right? So I think stepping back and looking, what, what do I want my lifestyle to look like? And sure, what do I want? What, where do I feel most comfortable body composition-wise, weight-wise? Sure. But then being really honest with yourself and saying, okay, do I have to be exactly 150 pounds or do I actually feel comfortable between 150 and 160? And I love the life I can lead at 160. So that's my ideal maintenance. And right. I think that's kind of the process we have to walk through um, a little bit. And then we can actually get into like 
the maintenance range beyond that too, but I'll stop there for now. <laughs> well, it's like, I think also, you know, kind of to your point, it's like that window of tolerance we were talking about earlier. It's like the same thing in like maintenance too. And it's also what you want to maintain versus what you can maintain are going to be two different things, mm. right? Yeah. Because everyone's going to want to be able to maintain their lowest achievable weight, right? Yeah. Like we all given, most people are like, I mean, I'm We've all been conditioned to believe that yeah, for sure. because the yeah. lowest is the best and we look the best at our lowest, mm-hmm. blah, 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 which is not necessarily the case or true. Right? right. But it's like, I think everyone, especially for those of us who have been dieting for decades are pretty aware of this natural kind of, you know, body weight that we can maintain with not a lot of effort. Right. I think most of if you're hearing this, you probably have a number in your head that like, don't super love that number. But I also know that that's a very realistic weight that doesn't require a lot of effort for me, as well as. I generally can kind of hover in this number ish without like me having to like do anything super intense, extreme, or even track. Right. Mm -hmm. So let's consider why that number is the way that it is. Right. So if you're, you know, your preferred maintenance number is 15 pounds lower than that, probably not a super realistic maintenance number for you. Absolutely. I think it's impossible, but like it would require way more effort than obviously what you're putting in now or what you put in in the past for that. But also remember that like, that number is also subjective to how much more muscle mass you have now too, right? It's like, that's, I think a lot of people, like, especially when they're chasing like old numbers from cuts, it's like your lowest number without any muscle mass is not going to be the same as your lowest number achievable with muscle mass. It's just going to be different. Your body's mm-hmm. going to look different. Like if, let's just say you were able to get to like 140 without any muscle mass. Like you were just basically like air quote skinny fat, right? Mm-hmm. That might not, not be an achievable number for you. If you've been strength training for a couple of years, like yeah. So like, let's realize that as our bodies change, because we wanted them to, that was the mm-hmm. whole point of this, right? <laughs> is, is your expectations might have to change too. Right. And that's not a bad thing. That's I really, that, totally, totally agree. I, I do really like that phrase too, like where effort and effort and ease, you know, come balance. I, I think that's really a great perspective, but even in terms of like what habits, you know, like the habits that you have in place that actually make other things easier, you know, kind of like, um, you know, we are, maybe we are a little intense about the hour we wake up to get our workouts in, but like, that's how we, that, that is effort, but it also is ease in the sense that like, we get it done. We like to do it together. You know, like we're, while we, neither of us track religiously these days, um, we are both, you know, Cheers, like both pretty good at both about our protein shakes, which all or you know, getting in our protein or whatever throughout the day. So that also makes other things easier, like, you know, cravings and when we eat and how much we eat and all of those kinds of things like it. So it's, it, I really think that's, that's interesting how you, that perspective and how can you, how can you be a little bit more, um, self-supportive in the way you're, where you're putting the effort, um, in order to, to, you know, make to allow for ease. Yeah, yeah. To allow for ease somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. It yeah. all comes down to when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Right. And, yeah. and vice versa. And so, yeah, on to your example about, you know, being, having a lot of effort towards getting up at a certain time every morning. So you can get in your workout, you prioritize that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, it, on one hand, it makes the rest of your day go easier. But also if we zoom out a little bit, you getting in that workout from a physical standpoint makes you stronger. It makes you able to, you know, play with your kids to do things, you know, do activities on the weekend to be that person that 
you want to be and to lead the life that you want to live. And so if we put an effort in one area, it actually frees us up in another area. And so the thing with maintenance is we just kind of have to decide where we want the effort and where we want the ease and like how those things blend together, because sometimes it is being more disciplined with things. And sometimes it's not, sometimes it's being like, you know what? Sure. Yes. I do want to get in my workouts four times a week or five times a week, whatever it is, but I, I don't want to be tracking everything right now, you know, but maybe I do want to get in my protein. So I am going to make sure I have that protein shake um, post-workout. So it's just finding that, that blend of those two things and knowing that whatever decision we make, any, any no we give, any yes we give, we're giving a yes or a no in another area as well. Yeah, absolutely. So true. Hmm. So true. Okay. So let's see where are we are. So we, we talked about expectations. Re, we talked about recomp. Oh, let's talk about recomp. Yeah. Let's talk about recomp. Let's talk about recomping and maintenance. First of all, this is another thing that I don't think everybody knows what that means. So can you please, okay. yes, explain what, explain what recomp is if you would. Yeah. Okay. Good question. So uh, when I discuss recomp, I actually, there's two different ways that I'm talking about it. So when I use just kind of like a broader recomp term, I'm talking about just changing physique over time. And that could just be gaining muscle. That could just be losing body fat. That could be a combo of the book of both. Um, something where ratios essentially are changing over time. It doesn't always mean scale, but it just means something is changing in the body over time. Um, so that's kind of the, what I would consider more like long-term body recomp. And then there's also something called the body recomp phase, if you will, where it's essentially like a really mild deficit paired with smart weightlifting and a high protein intake works the best for newbies. And, and the goal is to build some muscle and lose some body fat at the same time. What I find though, is when most people are talking about recomping and specifically like recomping at maintenance, right? A lot of people will be like, I want to recomp at maintenance. What they want is more muscle at maintenance. We want to be building some muscle. Sometimes people do have it in their head that there's also going to be some lowered body fat, but truth be told, if you're truly at maintenance, you're not going to lose body fat. If you lose body fat, you're in deficit, right? So that doesn't mean Again, like we could, if we intentionally enter a body recomp phase where we are trying to be in a bit of a deficit, that can be fine. That can be something that can be useful. But I think a lot of times people go into maintenance and they're like, okay, I'm eating at maintenance and I want to build some muscle. And I think I'm going to also magically lose a little bit of body fat here. And it's like, well, no, you're not. Not if you're really at maintenance. That doesn't mean you're not going to start like looking better and feeling better, but unless you're in a bit of a calorie deficit or, you know, more, more of a calorie deficit, you're not going to lose body fat. And if you do start losing body fat at maintenance, you're not in maintenance. <laughs> and conversely, if you're starting to gain body fat in maintenance, you're, you're also in maintenance. That's so true. Yeah. Right. Yes. People are always like, I gained weight. I, I gained so much body fat in maintenance. You're like, no, you gained body fat in a surplus. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Outside of your maintenance. Right. Oh my gosh. Yes. And this is why I think a lot of people fear maintenance after a cut. So like, Mm -hmm. aren't I going to, I'm going to gain, I'm going to gain weight if I go to maintenance. Well, you will, you will gain a little bit of weight, but it's going to be, you know, that two to five pounds or so. And then it's going to stop unless you go into a surplus. Maintenance isn't what put on the extra body fat a surplus was. 
Yeah, totally. Well, and similarly, like if you, if your, if your maintenance is, you know, 19 to 2,100 calories and you're hitting that every single day. And then also you're like, you know, on the, on the weekends or whatever, you're like, oh, I don't need to track this meal. And it's true. You don't, but like, that's also, it's like, you're, you know, you're spending your daily budget and then you're overspending. So technically that is a surplus. So just, right. yeah, I love how you, I love how you inserted the word magical. Just <laughs> And it's, it's uh that, that can definitely show up here as well, you know? Well, yeah. and, and I know, you know, there is definitely a window about like talking about how, you know, returning to maintenance after you've been in a surplus, like, let's just see how things shake out because definitely because maintenance is arranged, you know, it can kind of like work itself out, especially if you're being a little bit more active with more energy and things like that. But also know that like, let's just say that like you have moved that maintenance marker, you will be maintaining that new weight. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, yeah. so that's also why like people are like, well, I've been in, I went back to maintenance. How come I haven't lost all this fat? It's like, because you're maintaining this, not in a deficit. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I don't think people understand that too. Cause they're like, well, I went back and attracted that maintenance, even and and I nothing didn't happen, but nothing happened. I didn't lose <laughs> that weight again. It's like, well, because we are maintaining this weight. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But I think people assume that because especially this is like a, probably another podcast because we've already kept you for too long, but like you know, <laughs> the, re- the reversing sometimes can also yield in some, some, some fat loss, right. Because of like the less of a stress in the body, you know, a little bit more movement, a little bit more activity, better sleep, things like that. Stress reduction, you know, it's not, not unlikely that sometimes people do see their weight drop a little bit as they're adding calories back in. But I think sometimes people get in their head, like, Oh, I'm eating more and losing weight. So it's like, so, it's, so it must always be because my yeah. metabolism air is burning. Is yeah. burning. Yeah. <laughs> or it's repaired or what are all the words? Like, um, jump started my metabolism yeah. or I, all those fancy <laughs> totally. words. I'm like, you yeah. cannot do that because your metabolism was not broken to begin with. It was adapting. Right. So, 100%. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Okay. Well, let's take one we thing have, to yes. kind of like close up in, and then we definitely just have to have you on again because you've yeah. been forever. So <laughs> why don't we just talk about, um, I'll, we'll let you pick. Do you want to talk about, about body expectations just kind of over time, or do you want to talk more about like mindful eating versus tracking and maintenance? You tell me, oh my goodness. What do we want to, <laughs> we can, let's see. So what was your body expectations? Um, sure. Why not? I think that's, yeah, I think that's a good one. Perfect. We could even do a little blend of both, but, um, yeah. So body expectations at maintenance. So we've been talking about the possibilities and the options at maintenance, right? Like, yes, we can build some muscle at maintenance. Um, and especially if, if someone, the newer someone is the more opportunity they do have for that, even someone who is more trained, it's absolutely possible to put on some muscle mass at maintenance, it's just going to be slow, right? Um, But maintenance means to maintain. And I think when people go in with the expectation of, oh, I'm going to recomp, meaning like they think they're going to lose body fat and gain muscle at the same time, somehow, you know, by some magic that's going to happen, or they think I'm going to build all this muscle at maintenance, they're, they're disappointed. They're disappointed because it feels like they're not getting anywhere. Um, my sister-in-law is walking by <laughs> outside the window. It feels like they're not getting anywhere because they didn't go in with the proper expectation when really the, if we're going to boil it down to one thing, the goal of maintenance is to maintain. And the reason that is not 
a bad goal, the reason that's not a plateau, the reason that's not like not making progress, people don't understand how to maintain. Like they don't actually understand how to sit in a place where they're not drastically gaining or drastically losing. Women tend to be, at least this is my, this is my um, perception. I'd love to hear your thoughts here too, but I almost find that women tend to be better at doing the extremes than sitting in the middle. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and so it's almost easier for someone to be like, just put me in a cut again, you know, just put me in a cut. And so then I can yo-yo into a build. I feel my best in a cut. I feel my best in a cut. (laughs) You just don't know how good that maintenance can feel. Mm -hmm. And the fact that so few women know, like do actually truly know how good maintenance can feel, can feel tells me that, man, like we need to be putting way more emphasis on this and making sure that we're putting a lot of, of value on it and not looking at it like, oh, it's a break or, oh, it's something that I have to do like after my cut, cause my coach is making me know like that's, that's where you should be living the majority of your life. And you or have, that you to have to earn it. You don't have to earn maintenance either. Mm-hmm. Like, like I do like, not. well, when I finally lose all the weight, then I'll do maintenance. Oh, right. Like they believe that like until, but I make it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Maintenance can be a pit stop and it should be, you know, it's, it can absolutely be a lifestyle. Like we talked about too. Like you can get to a point where like, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to ride out at maintenance, but it can also be a thing where it's, you know, you've been, you've been in your deficit. Like we were talking about earlier for maybe it's 10 to 12 weeks and you're getting mentally fatigued and you know, you have some, some more body fat you want to lose, but you know that you need to change course or, or mentally things are going to start going backwards. Right. And your compliance is going to start going down. It's going to not be worth it. So using it as a pit stop and as a, let me just prime, let me sit here and prime for what's next is okay too. Um, so yeah, so I think that understanding that maintenance means to maintain doesn't mean like any, anything crazy is going to happen, but that that's enough. It's enough to go into a maintenance phase and maintain. So that's the first thing. And then I think another expectation that needs to, needs to be had is, there you're still your weight is still going to fluctuate you just if you're a woman you're just that's never going to go away okay like until we don't have cycles anymore your weight is going to fluctuate whether you're at maintenance or not and so expect that expect that for most people it's you know maybe two to five pounds but I've definitely seen it be more than that I've definitely I definitely have clients where I have this one client every time she travels she comes she comes back and and she does not go crazy on tra- like when she's traveling. I I know her really well, and she comes back and she's like six to eight pounds up, and then it goes back down. But it's mm-hmm. just it's the way it goes, and her body tends to do these really big fluctuations. And so I think understanding what's normal for your body, but then knowing fluctuation is going to happen. Um, and then I think knowing too that your your goal for maintenance, like we talked about that that range of your your healthy amount of body fat, um, that can change over time. And honestly, especially as a woman probably should, it should, because especially if you're someone who has kids, you know, you, you go through a season of, of not having kids and then you have kids and then your body changes, but also your life changes. And then you're also building muscle. And so we have that that's adding to the weight as well. And so maybe what your goal was back when you were 22, it can't be the goal anymore when you're 35. You know, we have to be thinking about lifestyle as well. And I think pulling that into our overall expectations of maintenance. So 
take that where you yeah, want. I think that you close that yeah. so beautifully. I mean, yes. could we talk about it for like another hour for sure? But I think like <laughs> you said it so well. And it's like, I think the whole overarching kind of like thought of this whole podcast is like in our efforts to like improve ourselves, that also doesn't mean staying the same. Yeah. Right. It's like, you know, it's, it's this dissonance that like we do as women, you know, you're talking about the extremes that like we like to do. It's kind of like, does it feel better sometimes to rage clean your house or would it actually make more sense to like clean it a little bit day by day to maintain the overall cleanliness? Right. Totally. And it's like, I don't know why in some like the anger feverish, like scrubbing and like everyone in my family sucks. We're all a bunch of slobs. No, 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 no. Like, why does that feel so productive? But it's not really right. (laughs) Versus like, Hey, we just like do a load of laundry mm-hmm. every day. We wipe the counters down every day. Like we load the dishwasher every day. Like it's the same thing kind of like with like cutting maintenance and adult phases. It's like, where's the energy coming from? And like, how much of your life are you factoring into it? Like what is yeah. realistic for you? Absolutely. You know? And I think for me, it's like, you know, those, you know, those times where it's just like impossible to calm down or rest, you know, you're sitting there and like maybe your knees tapping or you're just like, you just feel like you always should be doing something Right. Um, and same thing with like all the drama we have about like no naps and so I don't need sleep and all this kind of stuff. And then you just, but when you, when you get, when you get to a place where you, a different place than that, and we start to care about how you feel and realize like, oh, there's a total purpose to rest. There's a total purpose to being able to sit down and just be still and be, be present with yourself and happy where you are, appreciate where you are. I mean, that's, these are the, these are all things that maintenance offers. And we, we've jokingly said it many times, but I don't, we definitely felt this way individually, personally, that we really didn't even know ourselves all that well until we started eating maintenance. Like, just like we've talked about several times throughout this podcast, your body and your mind are intimately acquainted. And if you are not feeding yourself uh, enough, you are going to be experiencing um, a lot of negative side effects from that. And so understanding how to feed yourself, what is an appropriate level to feed yourself can actually be really life-changing. Yeah. um, Maintenance is where it's at. Yeah. Yeah. It leaves room. It leaves room for more life too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Your life doesn't have to revolve around fitness and food and it shouldn't. Totally. Should yeah. You shouldn't be living your life. Well, in that's the whole reason or calorie wise. Right. And isn't the whole reason we're doing this to like live yes. a better life? Like, let's also not forget yeah. that that's why we decided to do all of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it <laughs> it all. all right, Ruth, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Tell everyone where to find you and what you offer. And thanks for coming on. Yes. Oh my gosh. This was so much fun. I just, I adore you too. You're so much fun. <laughs> so, um, yes, I am at Ruth underscore empower, M-P-O-W-E-R on Instagram. That is my website. It's also ruthempower.com. I have a group hypertrophy training program, which I absolutely love. So a group training, weightlifting program, progressive overload, kind of some of the stuff we talked, we touched on today. Um, Then I also actually, we touched on maintenance at the end. I actually have a group maintenance program that is launching at the end of May, which I'm super excited about. For all, you know, a lot of the reasons that we talked about today, just because women are so much better at doing extremes than living kind of like in the gray area. Right. And so, man, I love maintenance so much. Like you said, you said something about you feel like you really got to know yourself once you finally started spending time in maintenance. I feel that same way. I think 
I've just seen so many beautiful benefits to it. And I, one of my favorite things is taking clients through maintenance phases. So I wanted to bring that to more people at a more affordable price point. So that's um, end of May. Signups are going to open awesome. May 16th. Yeah, it's going to be a mixture of an educational, a um, lot of education, but also a step-by-step process. Like we're, we're starting out by tracking tracking macros at maintenance and, and seeing what that actually feels like because not everyone has really done that before, right? And then about halfway through, we're going to, we're shifting to mindful eating and, and mindful eating um, techniques at maintenance. Um, and then of course, we're going into everything like maintenance ranges, how to choose your quote unquote ideal maintenance, how to, how to set maintenance appropriate goals, deep, deep dives into the maintenance range and everything that that entails, body recomp, weightlifting, cardio, all, all of that stuff. So really excited about that. That's at the end of May as well. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks again for coming on. You made it. The butter dish didn't melt your face. Thanks so much for hanging with us. If you enjoy that episode, we'd love it. If you would subscribe, share it to your social media or leave a comment that all really helps. So the kids say, <laughs> if you want to find us, you can find us at Instagram at butter your macros on the web at butteryourmacros.com, Twitter and TikTok at what's up butters. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks.